Well, hey, we are in a series called All the Feels, where we're talking about emotions, feelings, happiness, sadness. And so I just want to give us a, a check to see if you've been following along so far. So if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Well done. You've been paying attention. Happy about that. And uh, I believe that this emotion we're going to be talking about is so important today. And we're going to be talking about happiness. And I believe that we all want to be happy. Anybody here not want to be happy? I think we're hardwired for happiness. St. Augustine says it like this. Every man, whatsoever his condition, desires to be happy. Thomas Aquinas wrote, man is unable not to wish to be happy. We are hardwired for happiness. It's a part of what we want, who we are. And so we're going to be talking about this whole idea of being happy, smiling. And uh, I think it might be a little interesting. It might go against some things you've been taught in the church. But I believe it's going to be encouraging for all of us. So why don't we jump into Romans 10, and then I'm going to follow up with Isaiah 52 to start off this whole idea of the gospel of happiness. Romans 10 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and I want you to pay attention to this. As it is written, this is a reference to an Old Testament scripture. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And if you preach the good news, you have some beautiful feet. Look at someone and say, you've got beautiful feet. Making known the beauty of feet. Amen. And so in this scripture, Paul is saying, as it is written, and so he's referencing an Old Testament scripture, what would be the, the Jewish Bible, and that reference is in Isaiah 52, 7. So let's read that. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. And this is where Paul stops, but let's read the whole thing. It says, of good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news. Say this with me. Good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And so the title of my message today is, Does God Make You Happy? And we're going to be talking about the good news of happiness. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this message. And I pray that we want to just be hearers of your word, but doers in the name of Jesus. And everybody said Amen. 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 The good news of happiness. Does God make you happy? You know, last uh, Sunday in the sermon, I shared that as a, a young man, I dealt heavily with depression. I wanted to end my life. I was searching for happiness in all sorts of things, searching for happiness in my family, but my family was falling apart, uh, looking for happiness in good grades in school, but I was failing all of my classes. I was looking, I was searching, I was hardwired for happiness, but I could not find it anywhere. And so I, I looked for all sorts of ways to satisfy me. I remember I used to do things for the thrill of it. My friends and I would challenge each other. At this house party, I once challenged my friend to a contest of pain, and we had to basically play a game of pig with not basketballs, but with pain. So if you did this pain challenge, I would have to do it and then one-up it. And it got to the point where I rubbed 
burned my face on the carpet all the way across a living room floor until I left a streak of blood and this brown skin went through brown and then turned red and then turned white because I wiped off all of my skin on the side of my face just looking for thrill, looking for joy. Doesn't that sound like something that would bring you happiness? No? Well, I did other things like I'd play a lot of video games for hours. I'd play Street Fighter II Turbo for hours and hours, entering tournaments, doing these kind of challenges, just looking for joy, looking for happiness. I would just be addicted and play for hours. I used to go to buildings and saturate them with gas and see if I could burn down lumber yards and buildings. This maybe will bring me happiness. Anybody resonate with that? And with fire in mind, I remember I used to go in the streets of Minneapolis and Minnesota and write my full name, Pradeep and Jeeva Manohar and Sivaretnam, and gas in the streets. And at night, I would light it on fire and stop all traffic. And I'd say, this is going to bring us all joy <laughs> and happiness. Some people just like to watch the world burn. I'm one of them. You know, and I, I found, though, I mean, this seems like it's not surprising to you, but none of those things brought me the happiness I was looking for. None of those things brought me true joy. And here I was, still depressed, still wanting to end my life. And then a girl invited me to a church, and I heard the message of Jesus, and I decided this is what I've been looking for. And I, I in a moment of surrender, in a moment of prayer, said, I want to live for Jesus Lord, I want to exchange my life of death for your life and your life abundantly. And uh, I'm still working through things today in my spiritual life and in my, my humanity. But in a moment, as I surrender to Jesus, my anger, my depression, my wanting to end my life, it went away. It disappeared. And I am so thankful for fresh beginnings in Jesus Christ. Anybody with me? I'm so thankful that in my pursuit of joy and happiness, I didn't have to rug burn my face anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm thankful. I mean, that's why I have a beard right now. If you could see under this hair the stories my skin would tell. No, that's not why. But I'm so thankful <laughs> that Jesus saved my life and gave me this joy and this life and life abundantly. And then as I, I matured in the church and I, I started to learn about theology and what it meant to be a disciple, what it meant to follow Jesus, I, I started learning some things about Christianity and the subculture. For those of us who didn't grow up in the church, you realize there's like weird cultural rules that nobody tells you. And there's lessons and songs and things you don't get unless you grew up in the church. Anybody ever been like, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Like, I didn't grow up in the church. I don't understand these things. And I remember I went to a service and a pastor said, uh, there's a difference between joy and happiness. And in my journey for Christianity, I was so depressed. I lacked so much joy. I lacked so much happiness. I found happiness at church. I found happiness in the gospel. And it was so exciting. It was addicting. I wanted more Jesus. I wanted to worship with the church. But then a pastor, he shared this message and said, hey, there's a difference between happiness and joy. And as Christians, we don't want happiness. We want joy. Happiness is temporal. Happiness only happens when something happens. It's happenstance. It's not a guarantee, but joy is forever. Joy is eternal. Joy isn't fleeting. Joy is something that we can all have at any 
moment. And this was very confusing to me because church was my happy place. As my family was divorcing, as I was going through the violence and, and selling drugs out of my basement and getting arrested, my safe and happy place was the church. But then in a moment, in this distinction between joy and happiness, I learned that happiness isn't something God wants us to have. I heard messages like, have you ever heard that God doesn't want you to be happy? Yeah. He wants you to be holy. Yeah. God doesn't want you to be happy. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that preached before. And this brought a lot of confusion to me because basically I was taught that happiness is just an emotion and joy is something that we have despite your circumstances, despite how you feel. And so what did I do? I learned that in church I could only show eternal joy and if I was actually sad, I couldn't share that because that would mean I didn't have a joy that never ran up. I, when I was going through something difficult, when my mom disappeared for six months and I found her living in a car, I couldn't say I'm sad because that would mean in my church context that I've lost an eternal joy. Wow. That my, my, I wasn't feeling joyful and so circumstances stripped me of my joy. So in fact, I never had eternal joy. All I had was fleeting, temporary happiness. And I've seen this thread in the church a lot. I remember a number of years ago when my wife and I had a miscarriage, a, a spiritual leader approached us and said, hey, I've been watching you two from a distance to see if you would lose your spiritual joy and be sad because you had a miscarriage. Uh, a pastor said that to us. And I just remember thinking, this doesn't feel right. And that many of us in the church, we've experienced the stigma of not wanting to share our true emotions in the church, right? We've experienced the stigma of saying, hey, I don't feel safe to share my sadness. I don't feel safe to share my true emotion. I don't feel safe to share that I've been going to a counselor because there's been a, a stigma in the church concerning emotional health. And I think part of that is this distinction between joy and happiness because joy in this weird teaching has taught us to separate joy from emotion. It's taught us to separate joy from feeling. And I think there's an idea, a gospel of happiness that needs to be discussed. And, and so today, in this attempt in the series, All the Feels, I want to recover the gospel of good news of happiness. I want to talk about an idea of happiness and bring a little bit more clarity of this distinction between joy and happiness. Because as a young person, as I started to kind of dissect this argument and this idea that there is a distinction, I found some flaws. And I found myself asking questions like, like this. If God doesn't want me to be happy, is it safe to say that the devil does? Right? If God doesn't want me to be happy, should I pursue the devil for my happiness? Well, that doesn't seem right. And if, if joy is this thing that lasts all the time and never runs out, uh, how can I pray that the Lord renews the joy of my salvation if I've always had it all along? How can joy be renewed if true joy is never lost? It's eternal. These are some of the questions I started to have because I, I believe emotions are impacted by our circumstances. I believe that when someone dies in our family, it's okay to be sad. And I think when it's 
going well and we see some major good things in our life, it's okay to be happy and excessively happy in that moment. I think it's okay that there are seasons to our emotions. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to weep. There's a time to have joy. There's a time to have grief. And so I want to renew this biblical idea of happiness and share this, especially in our culture and in our country, I believe that we are growing sadder as a nation, which is confusing because in a lot of ways, our quality of life, our innovation, our technological advances, even our ability to heal is growing. And yet, I was just reading this article, and I, I saw a post on the Washington Post that said this. This is the headline. Americans are the unhappiest they've ever been, the UN report finds. An epidemic of addictions could to be blamed. And so our, I mean, wealth is through the roof. Advances are through the roof. And yet, America every year is getting less and less happy. And you might be even in this place and you're like, I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. But hey, pastor, I am unhappy. I am not filled with great happiness and joy and gladness. And my prayer today is that as we talk about what the Bible says about happiness, that the Lord would fill you with joy and gladness and life and life abundantly. Who here could use an extra dose of God's joy and happiness? I know I could. And so let's go into some scriptures on what the Bible says, a biblical understanding of happiness. So the first thing that I want to share is, number one, happiness is part of the Christian experience. You know, I believe happiness gets a bad rap. When we vent and share our pain, people call us human. But when we share our accomplishments and joy, people call us cocky. If two people are in the room and one's going through great joy and one's going through great pain, you probably will ignore the person with great joy to talk to the person with great pain. And so we've created sometimes environments where it's not okay to celebrate, but throughout the scriptures, God commands us to celebrate, to be happy, to be filled with joy. And this distinction, you know, happiness is a feeling, but joy is not. Happiness is fleeting, but joy is everlasting. Happiness depends on circumstances or other people, but joy is a gift from God. Happiness is worldly, but joy is divine. But in the scriptures, there actually is no distinction between happiness and joy. In fact, this whole concept did not really occur in Christian history until the last hundred years. Even as I look at early church fathers and early thinkers in American history as well, like Spurgeon said, we are happy to think Christ is happy. I do not know whether you have ever drank that joy, believer, but I have found it a very sweet joy to be joyful because Christ is joyful. And we see in a lot of early thinkers, joy and happiness are synonyms. They aren't mutually exclusive. They aren't at odds with another. Actually, joy and happiness are friends. They're like fraternal twins. And all my twins said, amen. <laughs> You're not fraternal, but you are a twin, identical twin, my man. And so, uh, you know, there, there's a scripture, 1 Timothy 1.11, and it says this, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I, I want to go, I don't want to go in a crazy deep dive, but this word blessed is here in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word would have been asher, which means, uh, you know, is what we translate it to blessed. In the New Testament in Greek, it would be makario or makarios. And literally, blessed throughout the scriptures 
isn't this idea of like being super holy and reserved and just better than other. Actually, in most world translations of the word blessed, they simply use the word happy. And so most of the times when you see the word blessed in your Bible, it's actually this word makarios, which means happy. And if you look in the dictionary, when you look at the definition for happy, you see the word joy. And when you look at the word joy, you often see the word happiness because they, they aren't enemies. Joy and happiness are friends. And so uh, there are several translations that every time we see the word blessed, we actually see the word happiness used. And so I like this scripture, 1 Timothy 1.11, if you could go back to that. It says, according to the glorious gospel of the Macarius God, of the happy God. Isn't that kind of cool? Of the happy God, which was committed to my trust. And this tells me that our God is happy. A lot of us have grown up with this version or idea of an angry God, of a grumpy God. But the scriptures show us over and over that our God is a happy God. And if our God is happy, then happiness is rooted in the character of God. And that is good news, my friend. That is the good news of happiness. And that also tells me this. We say this phrase at Kalos a lot. It's okay to not be okay. Yes, amen, but I want to add to that. It's okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to be happy. (laughs) It's okay not to be okay. Say it with me. But it's also okay to be happy. Amen. Amen. Let's read some more scriptures about the happiness of God. Hebrews says this in 1, 8 through 9. But God says about his son. So here comes a description of Jesus. But God says about his son, you are God. Amen. Jesus is God. And you will rule as king forever. Amen. Your royal power brings about justice. You love justice and hated evil. And so I, your God, have chosen you. I appointed you and made you happier than any of your friends. We're the friends of Jesus, and Jesus is happier than any of us. Amen. (laughs) Happiness is rooted in the character of God. Does God laugh? Let's ask Psalms too. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. <laughs> That's what he does. Amen. Job 8, 21. Will God make us laugh like he does? Yet he will. Yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. What does Jesus say in Luke 6? Blessed are you who weep now. And we know that word blessed could be translated as happy, right? Makarios. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Joy, happiness. All right. You don't believe me because I haven't used the King James yet? All right. Well, here we go. I got you. I got you, dog. Psalms 144 says this. Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Anybody whose God is the Lord in this place today, then you ought to be happy. 146. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs 14, he that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Proverbs 16, he that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Proverbs 29, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law, happy is he. 1 Peter 3, 14, But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of the terror, neither be troubled. 
We see over 2,700 passages in the scripture that reference or have to do with happiness. Happiness is a promise that God gives us as we follow him. Happiness is part of the Christian experience. The Beatitudes, one of the famous sermons that Jesus preaches in Matthew 5. I went to Young's Little Translation. This version of the Bible is so literal, it's awkward. And here's what the Beatitudes are described as. And having seen the multitudes in Matthew 5, he went up to the mount, and having sat down, his disciples came to him. And having opened his mouth, he was teaching them, saying, Happy the poor in spirit, because theirs is the reign of the heavens. Happy the morning, because they shall be comforted. Happy the meek, because they shall inherit the land. Happy those hungering and thirsting for righteousness, because they shall be filled. Happy the kind, because they shall find kindness. Happy the clean in heart, because they shall see God. Happy the peacemakers, because they shall be called sons of God. Happy those persecuted for righteousness' sake, because theirs is the reign of the heavens. Happy. Does God want you to be happy? Yes. And amen. Is God happy? Yes. Is there a good news of happiness? Yes. And amen. And when I hear a message like this, man, Kalos already has a reputation for joy and jokes and the gospel of puns. But when we preach this message, we realize we're just getting started and the pun is yet to come. And oh, come on. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited. We're just getting started. You know, uh, and I, I'm just so excited. So I, I'm, just, I'm just getting ready. I got, I got things that I've been working on, and I haven't felt we were ready to release, but I'm just going to release this in the spirit, okay? Are you ready? So who, who is the greatest comedian in the Bible? Samson, because he brought the whole house down. Yes, Lord, I, I felt that. How did Moses make his coffee? He brews it. Oh, Lord, yes, the good news of happiness. Who is the fastest person in the Bible? Adam was the first in the human race. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Why didn't they play cards on the ark? Lord, what would you say? Because Noah was standing on the deck. Oh, can you feel the good news of happiness feeling in this place? Woohoo! Why can't pastors tell good jokes because they don't have good timing? But when I hear all these scriptures of the character of happiness, the rootedness, it gives us permission to be happiness. And you have been hardwired for happiness. Some of us have felt guilty for wanting to be happy. But let's eliminate that guilt and let's follow the character of God. Amen. And so, hey, let's play that track. Let's just see what happens in this place even right now. This is okay. You can move your shoulders. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be happy. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But let me bring it down a notch. <laughs> Number two, happiness and holiness are friends. Amen. Happiness is a gift, not a God. We don't serve happiness. We don't blindly follow happiness. We follow God, amen. And so, hey, but pastor, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to cheat on my wife. Why? Because she's not making me happy. And this will make me happy. No, happiness is not your God. You don't just follow happiness. 
well, hey, I, you know, if I steal all of this from a bank or from a store, then I will have a lot of material wealth and money, and that will make me happy. No, no, happiness is not your God. It's a gift. Well, hey, I'm not going to do that because it, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive my enemy. I'm not going to serve the Lord. It just, it makes me a little uncomfortable. No, comfort's not your God. God is your God. And sometimes I think, I mean, especially in the prosperity gospel where it's gone a little bit crazy, we've turned God into this like vending machine where we put in this prayer, we put in this decree, and we say, God, you have to make me happy. No, God can do whatever he wants. <laughs> God is God. But I want to let you know that happiness and holiness are friends. While God does want us to make us happy. God does want us to be happy. He doesn't do it at the expense of everything else. You know, last week, my son was at the playground, and uh, he was having a good time on the slides, and I was like, as a father, I want my son to be happy. This is good, and I believe our Heavenly Father, he gives us good gifts, and he, he takes joy when we are joyful, and he is happy when we are happy, but then my son went over to a little girl who was just learning to walk, and he pushed her down to the ground until she cried, right? And my son started laughing and was joyful about it. And I was like, oh, son, your happiness right now is not my highest priority. <laughs> you know, because I, I know this girl has a big brother, and he's going to come and beat you up. <laughs> and so I want to make sure you have life and not just happiness. <laughs> and so I went over there, and I kind of intervened. I apologized to the mom. So sorry. And I go, son, no. Do not hit little girl. No, 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 no. No. And then I took him away, and I gave him a time out. Why? Because in that moment, his happiness was not my highest priority. And so, yes, we are called to be happy as the people of God, as those who follow the good news of happiness, but not at the expense of our holiness. Amen. And so whatever makes me happy is right, no, that's not true. And whatever makes me uncomfortable is wrong, that is not true either. But happiness and holiness can work together for us to follow God. And sometimes I believe that we, uh, we try to excuse um, our sin with our journey for happiness. Ironically, when we use our own happiness as an excuse to sin, we're actually throwing away the only chance we have at true happiness. We're exchanging the happiness and joy of fellowship with God for the fleeting pleasures of sin that Hebrews 11.25 says. And that is a horrible exchange, amen? And so yes, God wants us to be happy, but he also wants us to be holy. And so whereas joy and happiness are friends, I want to share and bring a biblical perspective on happiness and also say that happiness and holiness are friends. They are not at odds with each other. Actually, I believe that true happiness comes when we pursue God's holiness. And so we saw in that Beatitudes, happy is that, happy is. It, there's a quote by Randy Elkhorn I love. It says this, what we should see in the real Beatitudes is not merely that the words of Jesus exalt good character instead of bad, but that good character brings happiness and bad character brings misery. He also says this, being happy in God and living righteously tastes far better for far longer than sin does. When my hunger and thirst for joy is satisfied by Christ, sin becomes unattractive. I say no to immorality, not because I hate pleasure, because, but because I want the enduring pleasure found in Christ. Amen? 
And so, yes, happiness is part of the Christian experience, but so is holiness. And happiness and holiness are friends. And point three I want to share as I close is this. Happiness comes from God's holiness. And that the pursuit of God satisfies our pursuit of happiness. You know, many of us have been looking for happiness and joy. And we've made a church as far as the last 50 years of American history that says God doesn't want you to be happy. And so we've separated the gospel from happiness. And so people have not looked at the church for happiness. But I think this is dangerous because our ultimate happiness is found in God. And we don't pursue God just so we can be happy. We pursue God for God because he's amazing, because he's beautiful, because having a relationship is the best thing ever. But as a byproduct of knowing God, we become happy and we experience joy and joy over and over again. Separating God, I want to read this quote, by creating distance between the gospel and happiness, we send the unbiblical message that the Christian faith is dull and miserable. We should speak against sin, but hold up Christ as a happiness for which everyone longs, because we're hardwired for happiness. If we don't, then we become partly responsible for the world's tragic and widespread misperception that Christianity takes away happiness instead of bringing it. Separating God from happiness and our longing for happiness undermines the attractiveness of God and appeal of the Christian worldview. When we send the message, God doesn't want you to be happy, we might as well say, God doesn't want you to breathe. When we say, stop wanting to be happy, it's like saying, stop thirsting. And I, I just believe that God is so good. And when we pursue him and when we develop a relationship we experienced what I experienced at the beginning of this sermon. I was looking for joy in all these areas of the world and in like dumb things like destroying myself like rug burns. And maybe we don't do that obviously, but a lot of us are destroying ourselves in our pursuit of joy. There's an opioid epidemic in America. There's addictions, there's depression, there's suicide. Our, our standard of living is growing, but also our depression. What's going on? It's because when we look for joy and happiness outside of God, we're not going to find it. We're just going to destroy ourselves. And I, I just believe your pursuit of happiness is actually a pursuit of God. And when you look for God, you find God. And when you find God, you find joy and joy everlasting. And this is a joy and a happiness that, you know, does give room for our circumstances. Christianity does give room for sadness and grief. But we do have an eternal happiness. We have an anchor of happiness where we say, hey, even though I'm going through something difficult, I know the Lord wins in the end. Even though I'm going through a battle right now, I've read the end of the book and know that Jesus has the victory. I want to close with this scripture, especially as some of us in this place, I believe, are going through a dark time of just we're not happy we're not okay. And my prayer is that you would experience happy. And if you aren't happy, I want to encourage you. Would you draw near to God and realize that he is the one who can satisfy your happiness? Habakkuk 3 says this. And maybe you could resonate with the words of the writer here. I listened and my stomach churned. The sound made my lips quiver. Maybe you've received some bad news. Maybe you're going through some trials that are just challenging your joy and happiness. And as you hear it, you're like, I listened, my stomach churned. The sound made my lips 
quiver. My, my frame went limp as if my bones were decaying and I shook as I tried to walk. I long for the day of distress to come upon the people who attack us. When the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, when the olive trees do not root, do not produce and the fields yield no crops, when the sheep disappear from the pen and there are no cattle in the stalls. But I like what the author says here. He says, but I, I will rejoice because of the Lord. I will be happy because of the God who delivers me. Isn't that a powerful statement? Yeah. A declaration? And I think this is a tool some of us need in this place. We're, we're, we're going through emptiness, a lack of joy. We're facing a lack of happiness. We're, we're facing pain. It feels like we never have enough. It feels like we're dry and empty and we're scraping by. But I believe that as we are delivered by God, as we pursue God, as we find our hope and our joy in God, we can say this statement, I will be happy because of a God who delivers me. I will be happy because Jesus is my joy. I will be happy because God loves me and has a plan for me. And I want to say to your story is not over yet. Happiness is part of the Christian experience, and you can have joy everlasting in God. Even right now, I'm in a season, full disclosure, where I have to fight for happiness every single day. I mean, my, my joy is being threatened and challenged every day morning. And so I grabbed the scripture and it's become my great hope that my, my happiness isn't rooted in circumstances. No, it's, it's rooted in a God who will fight to make me happy. A God who will fight to make me holy. A God who fights for me to experience life and life abundantly. And I will be happy because of a God who delivers me. If you're needing an extra dose of God, and joy, and happiness. I would love to pray for you in this moment. Let's bow our heads right now and close our eyes. Dear Father, I just thank you for the good news of happiness, and I just pray that you would increase your happiness, your joy, your makarios, your asher, your blessedness, your gladness, Father. And just like God said that Jesus is happier than all of his friends, Lord, I pray that Kalos Church would be happier than all of the world. Lord, that you would give us this joy, this gladness, that you would just douse us with happiness right now. Lord, that you would deliver us from anything that challenges that. And so, God, we seek you in this moment, and we ask you for joy abundantly. We pray in the name of Jesus. God wants you to be happy, not at the expense of holiness, not at the expense of his ways, but God wants you to be happy like any good father does. Amen. Hey, why don't you look up real quick, and before I transition, I realize that there are people here, maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you've just been in a pit of sorrow and despair, and you don't know how you're going to get out. You've been in this pursuit of happiness, and you've been looking for it in all the wrong places, but I want to let you know right now, God wants to satisfy your pursuit of happiness. 
God wants to begin a relationship with you. God wants to forgive you of your sins. He wants to bring you healing and holiness. And if you're in this place and you need a fresh start, you need a new beginning, I would be honored to pray for you. So again, if we could close our eyes and bow our heads. If you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, would you pray for me? I want forgiveness. I want a fresh start. I want joy. I want happiness. I want God. I don't want to run from God anymore, but I want to invite him into every circumstance I'm dealing with and going through. If that's you and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, would you pray for me? Would you just lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Would you just lift it up? And I would love to pray for you. Amen. I see your hand. Amen, I see your hand. Amen, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Amen, I see your hand. Amen, I would love to pray for you. Well, why don't we all open up our eyes again, and we're going to put a prayer on the screen. And This isn't a magic spell, but just a way to articulate maybe what's going in our heart, especially the four or five of you that raise your hand. Let's pray this as a, a dedication to Jesus all at the same time. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give it up to God? All of heaven rejoices when even one repents.